Chapter 3, Beyond the IQ. In the first few chapters of this book, we examined two important issues regarding intelligence. We looked at how intelligence is measured in Chapter 1 and how one might account for the differences in intelligence in Chapter 2. In doing so, we examined some of the landmark developments in this area of psychological research and engaged with a number of contentious issues about intelligence, including the questions of heritability, group differences and cultural and class bias in IQ tests. In this concluding chapter, we will explore how psycho psychology might think about intelligence in a different way by moving away from the idea of IQ as a measure of human ability and why it must be useful for it to do so. We will be looking at three specific and related issues. First, whether it is possible to create a test of intelligence that is free of cultural and class bias, one that would effectively eliminate the kind of shortcomings that Robert Yerke's army testing program exposed so dramatically. As we will see, this is not just an important technical issue about test design, but one that cuts to the heart of what intelligence actually is. Second, we will examine the specific contemporary context where intelligence measurement affects human lives in profound ways, the diagnosis of learning disability. Intelligence measurement is enshrined in the official definition of learning disability and IQ testing is routinely used to determine whether or not a person has a learning disability. We will consider the merits of this long-standing diagnostic practice and reflect on some recent proposals for alternative ways of defining learning disability. Third, we will look briefly beyond the notion of IQ and examine a different aspect of human abilities and intelligence, which has captured the imagination of psychologists and the general public over the last quarter century, emotional intelligence. Advocates of emotional intelligence argue that the capacity to engage with emotions one's own and those of others, is an important ability, one that may be much more irrelevant to achieving success at school and in the workplace than IQ. We will look at what emotional intelligence is and how it is measured, and to what extent it offers a useful alternative to the traditional conceptualization of mental abilities. Chapter 3, Section 2, Intelligence, a measure of strength or distance. In Chapter 2, you read that one way in which psychologists have sought to resolve the issue of class and cultural bias in intelligence measurement is by seeking to create more sophisticated, standardised tests. Eliminating bias is a central goal in intelligence research because a key assumption behind the concept of intelligence is that it involves an aspect of human intellectual functioning that is universal and independent of differences in culture, lifestyle, wealth, or educational experience. In contemporary discussions about biases in intelligence testing, one test is particular, in particular is often highlighted as a good example of intelligence measure, unaffected by things like acquired knowledge, schooling, or previous experience. It is the Raven's Progressive Matrices Test. Unlike my most other IQ tests, Raven's Progressive Matrices Test includes no words and therefore does not require reading ability, nor does it have any pictures of concrete objects that may be familiar to people from one culture, 
than, than others. This is why the test is frequently used in the assessment of fluid intelligence, which includes abilities such as logical thinking and problem solving independent of acquired knowledge. More importantly, tasks similar to those featured in the Raven's Progressive Matrices test have been incorporated in other popular intelligence tests, such as the Welsher Adult Intelligence Scale in the, the WACE WAIS test, these uh, tasks form the matrix reasoning subtest, which assesses nonverbal perceptual reasoning. Two one towards a culture free test. The Raven test was first developed in the 1930s by British psychologist John C. Raven. Raven sought to create a test of human intelligence that would be much simpler and quicker to administer than the dominant Stanford Binet test. His motivations were not dissimilar to, the, to, to those behind the development of uh, Yerkes' beta test, which you can read about in Chapter 2. Not only was Raven interested in developing a quick and easy test suitable for mass application in schools or the workplace, he was also interested in one that could be used to assess people who had poor command of the English language or whose poor level of schooling made the test a verbal ability inappropriate. There are currently three different versions of Raven's test. The standard, standard, standard version designed for the general population, the advanced version which contains more complex items and is intended for those who do very well on the standard test, and a third simplified test, the coloured matrices test, which is aimed at children and people who may have a learning disability. In this section we will focus on the standard test, although the basic principles behind the Raven test are shared by all three versions. The standard Raven test, the most recent version of which was published in the late 1990s, consists of 60 so-called matrix problems, that is, a series of shapes or patterns that form a design which has a piece missing. Figure 3.1 shows an example of the kind of task involved in a matrix test. Because the test is protected by copyright, Example below is one that resembles one of Raven's tests rather than the natural matrix problem used in the test. In the test, the task is to select from a series of numbered alternatives the missing piece that completes the matrix. The, the essence of the problem is to work out the rule or set of rules that governs the order and position of items within the matrix and use this to select the correct answer. In the example presented in figure 3.1, the correct answer is option 2. There are four things that need to be taken into account when solving this particular puzzle. The shapes, triangle, circle, square. The number of objects in each position within the matrix, 1, 2 or 3. The colour, white, black or grey. And finally, how these different elements are arranged across rows and columns. As you may have spotted, each position within a row contains a different shape a different colour and a different number of shapes. So given that the first two positions in the bottom row contain three grey triangles and two white circles, a single black square is the only solution that completes the matrix in a way that satisfies all the rules. Just like the other intelligence tests, the matrices are presented in ascending order of difficulty. They become increasingly more complex as the test progresses. The main source of complexity is the increasing number of rules across the rows and columns that need to be identified and applied simultaneously 
in order to correctly identify the missing piece of the matrix. This test is usually completed using a pen and paper and takes about 40 minutes. The Ravens test has been judged as a success in terms of its apparent cultural neutrality. At first sight, one can see why Ravens test is said to be culturally neutral. It only includes abstract shapes and to solve the puzzle, the person taking the test does not even need to be familiar with the shapes. All that is required is the application of pure skill of logical and abstract reasoning to figure out which answer completes the matrix. But is this really so? How did you get on? One thing you may have thought of is that regardless of the specific nature of the test, the Ravens Progressive Matrix Test is still an intelligence test. Someone with experience of schooling or any kind of formal assessment is likely to find the test situation more familiar which would enable them to perform better. Similarly, pen and paper tasks are themselves cultural tools and as such are dependent on experience. This is not just an issue of whether or not someone knows how to use a pen, but rather the extent to which they're used to using them in the context of a test, something that is again likely to be linked to a level of literacy and education. There are further ways in which the performance of the Ravens test is influenced by cultural background. You may have noticed that in the example in figure 3.1, the bottom right piece of the matrix is missing. This is a standard feature of the test because it assumes that people process material from top to bottom and from left to right, and therefore that, that, and therefore that the piece of the bottom right is the last piece in the matrix. However, this only applies to cultural contexts where people read from left to right, top to bottom, as they do in most Western countries. This is not the case among people who read from right to left, e.g. Arabic or Hebrew, or where words are traditionally written in vertical columns and read from top to bottom, right to left, such as Japan, China or Korea. In fact, a separate test that takes this into account has been created for use in Arabic-speaking countries, which is in itself an acknowledgement that Raven's test is not as neutral as has been suggested. Class is another important factor here. As you read in chapter one, performance on IQ tests, regardless of their specific nature, has been shown to be influenced by confidence and motivation. Both of these are closely related to class and status. Children from working class families or disadvantaged backgrounds tend to have lower belief in their intellectual abilities and a lower sense of control of events around them compared with children from a wealthier middle-class background. This makes them less likely to perform well in a testing situation, particularly when faced with unfamiliar or challenging problems like those in the Raven test. Finally, even though the matrices comprise abstract shapes, which test designers argue are culturally neutral, what the person completing the test is supposed to do with them is not culturally neutral. This goes beyond the obvious point that the person taking the test must be able to understand verbal instructions about what they're supposed to do. Applying different rules to solve a Raven's matrix involves a similar kind of mental manipulation of information to that required when interpreting tables of rows and columns or when reading from a spreadsheet, for example. Not to mention things like completing a jigsaw puzzles, doing Sudoku, 
or engaging with other tasks that involve handling or manipulating objects and images to develop strategies for doing so effectively. Exposure to these activities will vary significantly, both between cultures and among different social groups within a culture. For example, in many countries, people who live and work in cities will have a very different life experiences and encounter different challenges from those who live and work in a rural setting. 2.2 Intelligence as a Distance The example of Raisin tests opens up the possibility that in spite of the attempts to overcome biases in testing, intelligence measurement cannot be meaningfully separated from culture and experience. This has led some psychologists to argue that the central question in psychological research on human intellectual abilities should not be about how to build better tests that might isolate the raw intellectual power from the noise of culture experience. Instead, it should be about recognising that culture and experience and intellectual reasoning are deeply intertwined. Intelligence is always embedded in a social and cultural context, and for that reason tests will contain features which will be more familiar to some sections of society or parts of the world than others. Consider the following example. Tests of IQ, including the Raven's Progressive Matrix Test, claim to measure the ability to solve abstract problems and manipulate numbers or images in the head, as well as the ability to process information quickly. Why are these features of intellectual functioning particularly important? Moreover, are they universally relevant, as some of the assumptions about intelligence imply? According to Sternberg, et al., Abilities measured in an intelligence test are in fact neither universally relevant nor intrinsically important. There are parts of the world in which intelligence testing is quite under intelligence is quite understood, in which intelligence is understood quite differently. For example, a study conducted in Taiwan found that there are, and this holds true in many other countries in the Far East. Uh, excuse me. Uh, someone, this holds true in the many, many other countries in the Far East. Someone regarded as an intelligent possessed a number of characteristics traditionally ignored by intelligence tests developed in the West, such as being able to re relate well to others or being confident in one's own abilities while also being modest about them. In Kenya, the popular definition of an intelligent child included whether they performed housework without having to be told what needs doing. In various parts of Africa, speed of processing, a staple ingredient of all contemporary intelligence tests, is not regarded as a defining feature of intelligence. On the contrary, acting intelligently there involves thinking slowly about a problem before attempting to solve it. Therefore, what psychologists in the West have traditionally taken to be features of general human intelligence reflect culturally specific ways of thinking about what it means to be smart. What is more, Abilities that for the past century have been considered worthy of measurement, abstract reasoning or the speed of processing, for example, reflect the values, attitudes, experience in, experiences and opportunities of people from a particular social and educational background. This is why intelligence testing inevitably privileges certain social groups and marginalises others, and in doing so inadvertently helps reproduce inequality in society. 
The argument that intellectual ability is deeply embedded in culture, cultural and social, uh, societal processes has profound uh, implications for our understanding of intelligence. It invites us to rethink the usefulness of both intelligence as a concept and intelligent testing as a practice. According to Ken Richardson, a vocal critic of the established approach to intelligence, the starting point for assessing what we mean by intelligence involves abandoning the analogy which lies at the core of much of the current understanding of the term. An analogy is something that is difficult to understand or make sense of, uh, explained by comparison with something familiar. You'll remember that from chapters 1 and 2, that ever since the middle of the 19th century and the days of Francis Galton, intelligence has been perceived as a measure of intellectual or mental strength, a kind of generic reasoning power, the G, that varies between people and predicts success at school and in the workplace. This analogy with physical strength persists in much of the current literature on, on, on intelligence. It underpins the idea that mental strength, just like physical strength, can be measured independently of one's background or life circumstances, and that what counts as intellectual strength is universal. For Richardson, this is a profoundly misleading analogy, because IQ tests measure culturally specific thinking and reasoning. They assess familiarity with a set of cultural tools rather than some, than some context-free universal intellectual power. For this reasoning, when talking about intelligence, a more appropriate analogy might be that of distance. What IQ tests assess is actually social and cultural distance or proximity to the kind of cultural specific ways of interpreting and thinking about problems and problem solving that are enshrined in IQ tests and which test creators have traditionally assumed underpin intelligence. The closer someone matches the culturally valued abilities built into a test, the higher that person will score on the test. It is important to note that the conceptualization of intelligence as a measure of distance does not imply that assessing abilities is itself a pointless endeavor, or that the concept of individual differences in ability is irrelevant. Rather, it suggests that it is necessary to begin to recognize both the diversity of human abilities and the fact that they are, in, that they are inseparable from the specific cultural and social context that a person inhabits. This requires moving away from the narrow concept of intelligence and IQ measurement as they exist at the present in favour of an emphasis on the wide range of practical and creative abilities and skills, how they develop and how they can be enhanced. A single concept of intelligence in the way that exists now can never successfully capture the varied ways in which people reason, solve, solve problems and engage with complex ideas or learn from experience in everyday contexts. 2.3. The Future of Intelligence Debates Despite the various limitations of IQ testing and controversies that have plagued this area of research over the past century, intelligence is still widely regarded within psycho psychology as a useful and relevant concept. While it may be recognised that IQ tests are not perfect instruments, they are nevertheless treated by many psychologists as reliable, uh, reliable measures of a generic and universal intellectual ability. For example, Ian J. Deary, a leading supporter of the idea of intelligence and intelligent testing, 
has gone so far to describe this area of research as arguably among the best and most resilient success stories in all of scientific psychology. Similarly, a more recent review of intelligence research by a group of leading American psychologists concluded that the measurement of intelligence is one of psychology's greatest achievements, although the authors conceded that it was also one of the most controversial. However, the report went on to claim that while there is some merit to the various criticisms directed at intelligence, they do not undermine the inherent usefulness of the concept. Evidently, a hundred-year-long tradition of intelligence research and measurement cannot be easily relinquished. It is likely that vociferous debates about intelligence and intelligence measurement will continue in the future. Such diversity of views and polarisation of opinion is not uncommon in psychology. Most areas of psychology compromise a mixture of competing theories, viewpoints, methods of inquiry and conclusions about psychological phenomena. Disagreement is not itself a bad thing. In fact, research will often be guided and advanced to very good effect by debates and clashes between competing positions. Nonetheless, as you've learned in Chapter 2, what makes intelligence somewhat different is that the nature of the subject matter and its troubled history mean that deliberations about scientific evidence and its interpretation will inevitably raise a set of broader moral and political questions about differences between people. Let us now turn to the next topic of this chapter and consider an everyday context where measuring intelligence has considerable practical implications. Both in the UK and throughout much of the world, the diagnosis of learning ability is based in a large part on the assessment of a person's IQ. In section three, we will look at more closely at this diagnostic practice and continue to pursue the question of whether intelligence tests represent a valuable and relevant way of assessing human abilities. Summary. Raven's progressive matrices test is an example of the attempt to create a culturally neutral measure of intelligence. The cultural neurality the cultural neutrality of the Raven's Progressive Matrix Test has been questioned on the ground that it contains class and cultural bias and that performance depends on things such as experience, confidence and motivation. An alternative idea to the traditional analogy of intelligence as mental strength is the notion of intelligence as distance from or proximity to the culturally valued notions of what counts as intelligence. I'm going to have to stop there because I'm starting to lose my voice.